Hi everyone, welcome to Understand the Bible. This is something a little bit different today because this is both uh, one of the regular videos that I do as well as an online sermon. Now because of the current coronavirus situation which is going on uh, all around the world at the moment, our public services in church have been put on pause and so rather than gather at the church I decided to do this sermon as a video. So I'm both preaching the sermon for the first time on video as well as um, doing a, a regular sort of understand the Bible video. So if you're joining us for the sermon then hello and please do have a look at the rest of the, the Facebook page or the website and um, there's lots more sort of content video content like this and you can go and have a look at that uh, it's understandthebible.uk or I'll put a link if you look in the description down underneath the video or put the link down there you can click on it and have a look but uh, what we've, we're doing in this series is we are looking through this is our Lent series and we are looking at the Doctrine of Repentance and this is a book which was written by a Puritan called Thomas Watson you know sort of 400 years ago and I have shamelessly nicked his titles and some of the passages that he chose from that book because it's well out of copyright of course um, it's freely available as well if you want to go and read it for yourself it's a really good read actually and I can recommend it uh, and we're looking at session three today which is shame for sin uh, unfortunately the first session wasn't recorded so I can't give you a link to that the previous session is available on audio um, and I'll give the link to that as well if you have a look down uh, underneath but we're looking at shame for sin and to do that we are looking at James chapter 4 verses 1 to 10 now shame it's become something of a dirty word in today's society shame people don't really like shame Lydia, my, my eldest daughter, she's now in year one at school, but when she started school, she learnt a song which was, um, you know, one, two, three, it's good to be me. And that had a line in it, which is, uh, no one else is prouder of the person that is me. And this is, this is what children are being taught now, you know, that you must be proud of yourself of everything about yourself you know you are you are perfectly good you know you're just unique individual and you should be proud of everything about yourself that's the message which even our youngest children are, are growing up with and you know it's shame is is not something which is which should be part of the vocabulary and I don't think it's a coincidence that one of the biggest social movements that we've seen in the past few years is called pride I think that that is that's related to it you know being proud of yourself proud of who you are in in every respect now this is uh, I think something we need to think about from a biblical perspective you know that how does the Bible talk about shame and what what would the Bible have to say about those things and how does the Bible want us to, to think about it and so that's what we're going to be doing as we look at James chapter 4 uh, 1 to 10 now I'm not going to, to read this the whole passage out I will read out the bits relevant parts as we go through but if you'd like to pause this video that's the wonder of video technology on the internet you know you can pause this video um, go on to Bible Gateway or, or get your own Bible read James 4 1 to 10 and then you can uh, you can continue I'll put the link again down below to the online version of this this passage if you want to read it online 
So this is how it begins. James chapter 4 uh, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So he's saying, look, the people who he was writing to, we don't know what specific church it was. Um, he just talked about the dispersion, you know, people in all sorts of different places. But whoever it was that he had in mind when he was writing this letter, he says there are fights and quarrels going on. And he says, what's causing those fights and quarrels? It's actually your desires that are battling within you. So what he says is actually it's not someone else's fault, but it is you yourself that have, have gone wrong. It's your desires that have gone wrong and that's causing these problems, these fights and quarrels. I think it's easy, isn't it, to, to blame other people for all of our problems. It's been going on since the, the first day in, in the Garden of Eden when Adam said, oh, it was my wife's fault. And, and Eve said, oh, it was the serpent's fault. And blaming other people is just part of human nature. But what James says is actually, no, we, we don't get to blame other people. You know, we need first to look at ourselves. And then he says, uh, you, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you spend, uh, You ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So he says, look, there's too much of a focus on your selfish desires here. There's too much of a focus on your own desires rather than looking to uh, looking to the desires of others, looking to build others up and looking to what God wants. You know, you're focusing too much on yourself and you're not, you, even when you do ask God, you're asking God with wrong motives. You know, you're not looking to God to fulfil those desires and even when you do, you, you're, you're looking for the wrong motives. And this is, uh, this is the thing that this church seems to have become very self-obsessed very self-obsessed and, and as I say that I think actually you know you can see parallels can't you with our, our own society and how uh, narcissistic personality disorder and so on is is more of a thing think about how selfie is you know, one, one of the words of the year in, in recent years and um, people are very self-focused at the moment this is what James says the problem is and then he goes on and he says look you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So he says, look, Christians, yes, the world may look like that. The world might look self-obsessed, but Christians should be different. You know, if you belong to God, you should look different from the world. And in fact, I think that's a good benchmark test, really, for you know, for, for walking with God, for seeing how well we're doing, is you know, how much do we just simply look like the rest of the world? Because what James says here, and this is all over the Bible, all over the whole of the New Testament and, and, and the Old Testament as well, which is that the people of God should look different, should behave differently because they belong to God. And this is just what, what James is, is saying, the point that he's making here. And then he says um, in verse five, or do you think 
Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. So he says, look, when God gives you the Holy Spirit, when we come to Christ, when we become Christians, when God gives us the Holy Spirit, then it, it makes a difference in our lives. And let me read you a couple of passages for the difference that the, the Holy Spirit makes. So the first one is from um, Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verse 30. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. Let me just find it. And this is what it says. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So what Paul is saying in Ephesians is when the Holy Spirit lives within us, when we sin, it, it sort of grieves the Holy Spirit. And that you know that when we are when we believe in Jesus, when we come to Christ, when we have the Holy Spirit, that should cause us to act in a way which honours God. And that is pleasing to the Holy Spirit who helps us and who, who dwells within us. And again, he says that in Galatians, just a few pages earlier, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So what he says is there, that the Holy Spirit helps us and leads us in the right ways. And um, so when we are led by the Spirit, we want to do what, what God wants. You know, we don't want to serve our own desires, but actually the Spirit changes us. So we want to do what God wants us to do. And that's a wonderful thing, actually. I think that's why James talks about the Holy Spirit in this passage, because the Holy Spirit helps us and leads us in what is right. And so that's what we should be seeking to do, you know, to allow him to change our desires to, to fit with what God wants us to be doing. Um, uh, but there is good news in this as well. And this is what James goes on to say in verse six. He says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Now, and grace is the wonderful good news that, yes, we, we are bound in sin. And yes, you know, we do have desires which are wrong, but God gives grace to us. And especially that is when we, when we humble ourselves, when we come before God. And we were thinking actually last week in the previous session about how repentance is, it's an attitude more than a particular event. You know, it's, not so much something that we do, but it's something that uh, our position, our posture, you know, how we are with God, our attitude towards God. You know, we come before God in humility, knowing that we have lots of wrong desires, wrong thoughts, wrong um, actions. And we come to God knowing that we don't deserve his love. But when we come to God in humility, then he is able to, to lift us up. You know, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, he gives grace to us when we come in humility and helps us. That is the wonderful good news. But the condition is that that kind of humility, not not coming in pride, as it seems like the people that James were, were writing to, you know, it seems like they were had a lot of pride in them. But actually, when we're, we're not like that, when we come in humility, then God can help us.
And so James, he, he lists what we should do, and I'm not gonna go through all of these, but there's a lot of um, actions that he says. He says, submit yourselves, resist the devil, come near to God, wash, you, wash your hands. I thought that was quite funny actually at the moment, given the advice we have about the coronavirus, washing your hands, you know. I think we should maybe stick that up on the, the front of church buildings or something, wash your hands, um, purify your hearts, grieve, mourn and wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and, and he will lift you up. So it's kind of all of these things are the opposite of, of pride. All of these things are, are things which kind of lower ourselves, which, which humble ourselves, which show, show God where we think we are and in, in relation to him. You know, kind of laying ourselves down in humility rather than setting ourselves up in pride. And when we lay ourselves down, then he lifts us up. And when we seek him and we seek to do what is right, putting his ways above what we want, then he, he lifts us up. That's the wonderful thing. Now, I realise as we come to a conclusion for this, this sermon that I've done a whole sermon about shame without mentioning shame. Now, let me just bring in where the, the shame comes into this, I think. So, um, this... If we just turn over to uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, let me turn to it, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are proud Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? So Paul says actually that instead of being proud of what, what they've done, they should have gone into mourning. And you realise that mourning is something that James mentions as well. We just flip over the page to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 5 and it says, I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is no nobody among you wise enough to judge your disputes among believers? So Paul is saying, you know, look at your actions. You should be ashamed. And I think this is how it fits in with James, because although James doesn't use the word, he wants the, the church there to be ashamed of what they've done, to be ashamed of their sin. The way that they've they've got fights and quarrels and they've just been focusing on their own desires. And I think it's the shame which should cause them to, to be humble before God. And it's all part and parcel of the same thing. You know, I think shame and humility belong together. When we are ashamed of our sins, then we come to God in humility. And, and that's how the two things works. And this is what James is saying. You know, when the, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, we should have a healthy shame for our sin. When the Holy Spirit lives in us, we should have a healthy understanding of ourselves, a healthy shame at the ways in which we fail day by day. And that should, should cause us to be humble before God. That should change our attitudes towards ourselves and our attitudes towards God when we feel uh, that shame in, in a right kind of way. And what that means is when we do see that, we see ourselves as our biggest problem rather than seeing the problem as other people. We see ourselves as the biggest problem. And I think that is tremendous marriage advice. 
you know, seeing, seeing yourself as the biggest problem in your marriage rather than your spouse. And it's great advice for communities and friendships and everything as well. And if you think you are the biggest problem, then it, it means that you're much more kind and generous and loving to, to other people. Because, you know, you're not saying, oh, well, I'm right and they're wrong. Therefore, I'm just going to cut them off until you know they realise I'm right. But actually, we, we try to adapt and to change and to, to love other people. Uh, and um, also, it means that we're not so quick to blame other people, which I think is a, these days particularly is a really important thing. You know, we're always looking to blame other people. We're always looking to put the blame on the government or our leaders or, you know, whoever. But actually, perhaps we should be more quick to point the finger at ourselves and less quick to point the finger at other people. Uh, so as we draw near to God, and this is what he says about, uh, you know, James says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. When we draw near to God, I think one of the things that happens is that we get more of a sense of God's holiness and more of a sense of the ways in which we fall short from that. But when we draw near to God, then he draws near to us. And this is the really wonderful good news that I'd like to finish with, that actually we have a greater sense of our saviour when we draw near to God. And that although we may have a sense of shame at our own sin, we know that Jesus has paid on the cross for our sins. And we know that we can look to him for forgiveness and to help us. So the shame that we feel, yes, it's it's supposed to be there. We are supposed to feel shame in the right kind of way. But that shame should send us to Jesus and should send us looking for the forgiveness and the help that he offers to us. And the more we see of our sin, the more shame that we feel, in a sense, the more that we'll see of Jesus Christ as he is in that place. And the more that we'll want to love him, serve him and obey him. And um, it's a wonderful kind of, um, way of, of helping us to look at Jesus, seeing our shame, but seeing him taking our shame on the cross. So I'd just like to finish by reading um, from the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 to 22. This is um, written to a church who, um, or really I think what John is doing in Revelation is encouraging this church to, to feel that kind of shame as, as we've been talking about. And um, it's just everything, really. I think it sums up what we've been talking about in the sermon. Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 to 22. Uh, having real difficulty with this Bible today, just turning over the pages. I hope it's not just me who does this. Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 to 22. Here we go. This is the letter to the church in Laodicea. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This is the wonderful thing that the people in Laodicea, they thought that they had everything, they didn't need God. But actually he says to them, Jesus says to them, 
look, you need to repent. You need to realise your shameful nakedness. But when you realise it, you can come to me and I will bring healing. I will cover. I will help you. And I'm, I'm standing at the door knocking and you can let me in. And when you humble yourselves, let me in, then I can heal you. That's uh, the wonderful good news to finish with. So let's finish with a prayer as we come to the end. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to take this message on board, to, uh, to have that humility before you as we realise the shame of our own sins, but as we realise that Christ is a great Saviour. Please help us to turn to you and repent. And we pray that you would help us understand more and more of what this means in our lives day to day. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's the end of the, the sermon. Please do, like I said, please do check out understandthebible.uk, the website. Have a look at the Facebook page and the YouTube channel. And I'll put all the links below. Uh, thanks very much for watching. And I hope to see you again for another one of these videos very soon. God bless. Thank <laughs> you.